Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Sons of Liberty podcast. Today, we have got a special guest. We interviewed Jim Lyons, the former chair of the Massachusetts Republican Party. So me and Hunter, we got to sit down with him for about 35, 40 minutes or so. And I really think you're going to enjoy it. We hit things like election integrity. We talk about the illegal immigration crisis and we activate and we encourage young people to get involved in their communities, both culturally and politically. So I hope you enjoy Jim Lyons. Hey, Jim. Great to finally meet you. Uh, I remember the first time that we actually, that I became aware of you was back in uh, May of this uh, 2023. You hosted Jim Jordan at your barn uh, here in Massachusetts. And I mean, it was crazy. There was like a pouring rain. How, how many people you said were there? 500 something? Yeah, there were there were over 500 people, in, as you say, in yeah. the pouring rain. That's crazy. I remember being there and just seeing like a sea of umbrellas. It was right. crazy. I was, I was there... Um, uh, talking to people in line because I was at the time I was promoting a Turning Point USA event, so I uh, I was handing out flyers and just mingling and talking to people, and just to see that sort of grassroots passion in Massachusetts, it just amazed me. And the line kept going. Everybody had their umbrellas, their raincoats. It was very encouraging to see that. We wanted to have you on just to get your perspective on all of these um, very hot button issues that are obviously national issues, but they're they're going on here in New England, and often we're that liberal hellhole that's shoved up into the corner of the country that all the other conservatives just forget about because, like, oh, they're a lost cause. New England's a lost cause. Can you uh, just tell the audience what is your history of public service here in Massachusetts, your career? Can I give people a brief history of uh, who you are and uh, what you've been doing here? Sure, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was great. That that was, that was quite a day with uh, Jim Jordan. See all those folks in the pouring rain. I think I think that is like a microcosm of what, what I think is out there in Massachusetts. Uh, there is an incredible amount of energy at the grassroots level. You know, I was in the legislature for eight years and served as a party chairman for four. And one of the things that, that, that I found is what you just said. You know, there is incredible energy among people who want to see change in Massachusetts. And um, that's one of the reasons we bring people like Jordan to to Massachusetts to let them see, you know, what it looks like to see a real conservative that people know. As I mentioned to you guys before we started, we had Ted Cruz up in, in 2015, and we had 650 people, but it was a beautiful day. Uh, I can't imagine how many people we would have had if, if Jordan was there. Uh, and, and it wasn't and raining. It was, and it wasn't raining. Yeah. And it, you might remember at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the event, I, I, I made him promised to come back because he brought such lousy weather with him <laughs> so he said he, he said he would yeah no i think massachusetts is ripe for uh you know for change i mean what we're seeing going on at the national level uh we're seeing just on steroids in massachusetts mm. i mean this I- illegal immigration where they're you know putting kids putting uh, illegal immigrants in in hotel rooms but they're moving out of hotel rooms people who need to be living there I got a call the other day from a, a young woman who told me that uh, she had a friend of hers who was living in a hotel uh, because he, he needs the money and has a young child and uh, was moved out. And now he's sleeping in a car while illegal immigrants are in a hotel. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's not insanity, I don't know what is. 
But that's what we have in Massachusetts. We have this woke agenda, you know, that doesn't really care about the taxpayers or our citizens. Is more concerned about this agenda of bringing illegal immigrants into Massachusetts. We need people like you guys to to get involved and and stand up and talk about the issues mm-hmm. and make sure people realize that that's not the mainstream of Massachusetts. Yeah. The mainstream of Massachusetts are hardworking families that want to take care of them, their families, and and uh, take care of themselves, not be, you know, dictated to and told mm-hmm. what to do. And and I, I believe that in Massachusetts, you know, particularly in some of these more purple districts, we need to energize people and get them involved in in the political process. How did you get involved in politics? Uh, you're asking me a question. I'm gonna have to remember a long time ago. <laughs> You know, I was um, my my cousin was the youngest person ever elected in America in 1972 at 18 years old, and he got a, so many of us involved in politics back then, and and we all stayed involved in one way or another. He went on to become a a selectman. I you know ran it as a, at a young young age for uh, for a couple of offices, state senate a couple times, and then kind of gave it up, ran my business, helped. My wife and I, we, we ran our business together. And then at some point in my later years, when I was 57, decided to, to run again for a state rep and then served in the legislature for eight years and then and ran and became the, the party chair. I'm a small business owner, been in business you know, since I was 21. We started our company selling flowers on a street corner, four carnations for a dollar. And today we're still in business selling flowers, ice cream, and Christmas trees. And my son started a company selling uh christmas trees online and you know so we're we're still in business and you know that's the lifeblood of of uh of our economy small businesses and mm-hmm. you know we really enjoy it yeah well it's, it's nice to see a, a politician that is also doing business and not just the business of politics and insider trading that's <laughs> yeah it's nice to see that example yeah i think what, what what we're seeing is people getting involved in politics uh for all the wrong reasons mm. right they want to make a career out of it. We see politicians that are around for 30, 40, even 50 years. And um, I don't think that's good for the process. You know, people get entrenched in there. I think new blood, younger people, people who want to come in, make a difference, and then go on and do something else. We have to encourage that. We really have to encourage young people to get involved. People who are conservative also, who believe in the fundamental values of our country, who believe in the nuclear family, you know, who believe in freedom, liberty, and personal responsibility, who don't look to government to solve all of all of our problems. Mm. It's like what you guys, you young guys are doing here, you know, trying to create something. I mean, that's what makes America great. You're being able to go out and do something on your own and not being interfered with by government. Mm. And uh, I, I really, really admire what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, would you be for term limits in terms of, you said, career pol- politicians are, are generally bad for the, the system. Would you be for something like term limits? You know, when I was younger, I, I looked at term limits as, 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 as government telling, you know, putting something in place that wasn't necessary. I totally disagree with that theory now. We need term limits. We need to bring people into politics on a rotating basis because what we're seeing both nationally and locally in Massachusetts are people that are there forever, forever. I mean, you've got the majority leader. In, I mean, the uh, Speaker of the House has been there for 30, 30 years. Wow. The minority leader in the House has been there for 30 years. Hmm. I mean, th- that that becomes stale. Yeah. 
And that's what we're seeing is a, a, a real, you know, staleness in people who just do things to get along. They walk into that building and it's like an echo chamber. We need younger people to come in and, 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 and rock the boat a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's easier to do when people aren't there for 30 years. You know, if they're there for 10 years, you, you've got this constant turnover. That's what we need. We need it to go back to what our forefathers wanted it to be. You know, not a lifetime of being elected officials, but a public service where you served and then you went back to your farm. You served and you went back to your business. It has become a, uh, a real big business, and that needs to change. Mm-hmm. What, what advice would you give to people who are, are getting into politics and are conservatives and have traditional values, who are trying to stay pure and not get caught up in all the muck of, of the corruption and the, the money and the, the bribery and all that kind of stuff? How, what advice would you give to someone like that? Be unafraid, first and foremost. Um, stand for what you believe in and don't be afraid to speak out. I think Newt Gingrich really, um, back when he became the Speaker of the House, and he talked about it in a way of, you know, we have to be happy warriors. That doesn't mean we're not going to have fights sometimes and we're going to have disagreements, but we have to do this for the love of what we believe in, right? Mm -hmm. And too many people have done it for the money. And when money becomes ingrained in politics the way it has become, you see you have a power structure that's difficult to defeat. And I believe that what we're seeing across the country and what we just saw in Iowa uh, on Monday Mm -hmm. is the grassroots, the local moms and pops saying enough is enough. We have to stand up to the radical left, the woke agenda, the overtaxation, the overregulation, and we can only do that by people in their own communities getting involved. What a what a purist democracy, right? When you look at the caucus process, people went out on sub-zero temperatures to vote. And who did they vote for? They voted for Donald Trump, but more importantly, they voted for the message of America. That's what they're voting for. Donald Trump is either going to be here or he isn't going to be here. But what we have are a group of strong people who understand that we are in a fight for this country. And we need you young people to get involved in that fight and be unafraid. In your opinion, do you think that conservatives, like real MAGA conservatives, do you think that they can win in Massachusetts? Or do you have to become moderate and do you have to compromise? I mean, as an example, in the uh, uh, 2022, you had Chris Dowdy running against Jeff Deal in the Republican primary for the governorship in Massachusetts. Chris Dowdy's much more moderate, um, promoted by Howie Carr, because he was Howie Carr said that only a moderate will be able to get elected. And then you've got Jeff Deal, who's a MAGA conservative. He's ran against Elizabeth Warren before. And I, my, me and my whole family supported Jeff Deal, um, but he got trounced by Maura Healey in the general. So can you be a real MAGA conservative and win in Massachusetts? So I, I, I don't think we're going to go do that tomorrow, okay? However, what I think we need to do is we need to recognize that there are many, many parts of this state where there are conservatives and there are Trump people who really believe in America's first agenda. What we need to do is organize at the grassroots level, educate at the grassroots level, and have people run for office at the grassroots level when I say run for office, I mean 
school committee, boards of selectmen, city council. And after we begin to do that and have that process in place, we're then going to see people then run for state rep, state senate, Congress, and then the, the constitutional offices. It's not going to happen overnight. But in my opinion, there are more people every day who are concerned about the left radical agenda that they're trying to ram down our throats in our schools over, the, over taxation, over spending. And people have had enough of that. They want to be left alone. Mm. And are there communities that we're not going to be successful in? Right now there are. But there are so many of them out there. And we need to make a concerted effort to do that, to get people involved and run for office. And run for office and be unafraid of what you believe in. Mm. I mean, the, the agenda that they're teaching in our schools today, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And we need people to come up and say, no, we don't want that. We want our kids to learn how to read. We want them to learn how to write. We want to learn, teach them how to, uh, you know, math and science. The Volk Edge schools, let's, let's teach kids how to do things. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but I think that there's an energy level in Massachusetts of people who believe in the same types of things that we hear nationally on the national agenda that President Trump is pushing that I think we can, over time, make a, make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the quote from Abraham Lincoln is that the education of one uh, generation becomes the government of the next, and I think that's the, the thing that uh, conservatives have failed at and let the Democrats take over. And, I mean, you look at, people want to look at the every four years elections, the senators, the, the House of Reps, but your school committee has, has great power in determining the education of your children. So I think we need more people either if... Uh, you're not going to be in public school pulling them out or fighting for the kids that are in public school and saying, hey, no, like we're actually the logical party. You know, we believe that there's two genders. We be- we believe that, you know, we should learn the basics. I mean, people want to complain about China. You look at what China's teaching their kids. They're teaching their kids how to be engineers, how to read and, and write. And they're, they're beating us globally. And so and that's at the thing that's at such a local level and at a family level that we're just ignoring and expecting somebody. Trump's good going to come in and save us, which is, is not the case. I mean, elections do have consequences, but again, like we're, we're focusing on the podcast of like the family is so important in, in ed- educating the children, because if it's not you, it's going to be the government. So I, I think you just nailed it right there, Hunter. We, we have to look at our front yard first, right? And then we have to look at our community and we have to get people elected at the local levels who believe in what we believe in. And that's the first step. If we don't do that, we're, gonna have, we're not going to have any success. So the first step is we have to organize locally. We have to organize in communities who think our way. We've got some, stat, some data now that shows in 75 state rep districts in Massachusetts, right? They, they basically vote conservative. However, they're ruled by Democrats. Mm. And the reason is is because a lot of people have decided that they can't make a difference, so they take a step back. They said, I'm not going to get involved. Well, if you don't get involved, you're seeing the consequences of that. So my message to you folks, you young people particularly, is get involved. Run for office. Running for office, I told you, 18 years old. That was a long time ago, guys. And if you guys start now and you start electing people at the local level, you will have a serious impact in 10 or 15 years down the road. But you have to be smart about it. 
hey, there are certain towns, you know, I don't think we're going to change Cambridge tomorrow. No, seriously. Mm -hmm. There's certain towns that we're just not going to make the impact in. But there are so many of them that we are. Look at the ballot initiatives that we had in 2022. Look at the votes in so many towns where, you know, the driver's license bill, 54, 55, 56, 58 percent against driver's licenses for illegals. Well, those people fundamentally believe in some of the things that we're talking about here today. But yet their, their school committees are run by Democrats. What does that tell you? It tells you we have a fundamental problem in Massachusetts that goes back for a couple of generations. We have a Republican Party who basically made the decision that the only way to be successful is to get along with the Democrats. Well, we can't, we can't get any worse, right? Yeah. We can't get any worse. So that hasn't worked. So what does work? What works is to go in, and as I've said time and time again, is to have like-minded people talking about the issues that we believe in, talking about the family, talking about the values. This idea that there's 73 genders, are you? I mean, it's, it is. It's laughable. Yeah. It's absolutely laughable. But what, what was once unthinkable, and that's unthinkable, right? Mm-hmm. Now we can't even question it. I mean, how crazy is that? And, and that's because they want us to sit down, be quiet, be afraid. Don't be afraid. Get up, speak your mind, do it politely. But be forceful about it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You see how forceful the other side is. We can't allow that to happen. Right. Yeah. You guys are the ones. This is your country. You're the ones that are going to make the difference. And you know you got to look to uh, really get involved and organized. One person can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. One becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight. <clears throat> That's how you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, one of the, I would say one of the biggest issues for the Republican Party, and I'm curious to get see what your what your opinion on this is. But one thing I see is the amount of registered Republicans is dismal in Massachusetts, um, and but the amount of independents is just it's there's so many independents in Massachusetts. Uh, I believe more than de- than than the Democrats. That's right. right? Okay, yeah. more de- more independents than either Republicans or Democrats. We have such an opportunity, such an opportunity, because there is so much apathy in New England that if we can activate the base, we have such an opportunity to achieve a supermajority 20, 30 years down the road. Um, and I w- I'm curious, as your, uh, with your experience uh, of four years as the chair of the Mass GOP from 2019 to 2023, what do you believe to be the Republican Party's biggest issue in, in, here in Massachusetts? Well, let me address the, 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 the discrepancy between the, the Democrats and, and the, and the uh, Republicans first. I think Massachusetts right now is about 9, 9.5% Republicans. It's probably about 33, 34% Democrats. The rest is all independents, okay? So you've probably got 400,000 Republicans. But do you know how many people in Massachusetts that are independents consider themselves Trump independents? As many as there are Republicans. Wow. That's right. There's 450,000 people in Massachusetts who are independents who consider themselves Trump guys. Or Trump that's ladies. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I said when I, yeah. when I first heard it. It is crazy. Yeah. But and what does that tell you? Well, what, it, what does it tell me? Having served in the legislature and served as a chairman, what it tells me is that the people who are independents don't look at the Republican Party as an opposition party. They don't look at it as someone that a party that's going to fight for what we believe in. 
And that's because they haven't. They've been a party that's basically gone along to get along. I just told you. The minority leader's been there for 30 years. 30 years. You, can't, you, you have to have turnover. You have to have new leadership. In, two, in 1990, we had 55 members of the House and the Senate. By 2010, 2010, there were 16. We went from Weld, right? Then we went to Salucci. Then we went to Romney. Then we went to, I mean, Swift, Romney, Baker. And you just, you've got to have Republican leadership that stands up and fights. And we haven't had that. And if we put that in place, we take those Trump people, we put them together with the Republicans, and we stand for something, you're going to see change within some of these, particularly these purple to red districts. So we need to get the rhinos out of office, basically. (laughs) So what we need to do is convince the rhinos that we ought to stand for something and Mm. not stand for the values of the Democrats, okay? And that's what we've seen. I mean, I've saw, I saw it as a legislator. I mean, every day it was, let's get along with these folks on the, on the Democratic side. There's never been on offense. I mean, if you play sports, you go on the field, you don't want to be the only one, you know, you want to be on the field fighting against your opponent. And what I saw was people on the field working with the Democrats hmm. for the radical agenda. Hmm. I mean, it's crazy. So I think when you take that Trump number in Massachusetts, that's, that's, that's an amazing number, number yeah. right? When you say working with the Democrats, do you mean uh, on social issues like abortion, transgenderism, those sorts of things? You, we, when you have 50% of the, of the Republican caucus voting to uh, pay for gender-affirming health care, sex reassignment surgery, and uh, protection for abortion providers, 50% of the caucus voted to support that. That's outrageous. Yeah. But that's what we have in the... But the, the you don't know. You didn't know that. Nope. You're shaking your head. What are you kidding? That's a fact. But nobody knows it. So Massachusetts Freedom Fighters, I'm going to give my, my little organization yeah. a plug. My wife and I are going to go out and work with young people, middle-aged people, old people like me, and say, guys, we can make a difference. We have to hold our elected officials accountable. First of all, you have to know what's going on. You have mm-hmm. to know what's happening in our schools. So when we do that, it opens people's eyes. So many people have just given up on politics. Donald Trump has reignited people's mm. interest. And like I said, Donald Trump's going to be gone one way or the other in 2028. But he's leaving behind, hopefully, a grassroots network of volunteers who will be unafraid to stand up and fight for the America that we love. Yeah, and I think you see anytime a, a young person gets involved, uh, older people get fired up. I mean, I'm sure, you, I mean, you're older than us, obviously. A little obviously, bit. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> little bit. But like I go up and I speak in my church and I talk about Turning Point USA and the old people get, whoa, they go, they go, they clap and they get they get fi- fired up. So I think that that you're completely right that if, if we get people that are actually out there that are, people are sick of people who are just st- standing down. Like people are sick of, of compromise and sick of, and there is a level where you have to do that. But people like Trump, when does Trump ever ever give the other side any amount of, of slack and say, hey, oh, yeah, you know, well, let's compromise and let's do what they're doing is fine. No, like he's a he's a fighter and that's why people like him. He's a, the classic New Yorker who's like, no, I, I love America and this is my I'm not going to try to do a New York accent here. But um, <laughs> thank goodness. <huh? laughs> um, hopefully no Yankees fans watching here. But um, 
yeah, so I think that if the young the young people, like you said, getting involved in, and there's plenty of passionate, like when I was going to going to school, there's plenty of passionate kids that were like, I, I love Trump. I love he's hilarious. I love what he says. I love that he's fighting for the average person. But they'll be like, oh, no, like if I say say something, I'm going to get, you know, crapped on, on on social media or whatever. And it's like we just need to be we're the logical ones. Like Trump is the logical person. And I mean, you look at everybody else, all these other politicians like they're you see like a Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer and you're like how did anybody ever vote this person in or like a more Healy even like it's ridiculous like I don't understand we need to say we're the party of logic we're the part party of common sense and really appeal to the even like classical liberals even like a, a Bill Maher I don't know if you've seen he's a wicked anti-Trump guy but even him he's he's like I can't vote for a Democrat because they're gonna go say let's go chop you know whatever off, off of these kids so it's like we need to say like no it's you know it's actually logical to not chop breasts off 15 year old girls you know that's logical i think so we need to be the, the ones standing up here and saying don't let them call you crazy they're actually the crazy ones so yeah we don't even have to tell them that they're crazy all you have to do is tell them what they believe in, right <laughs> yeah no seriously you don't have to you don't have to say you're crazy you say let me ask you a very simple question a real simple question do you know the difference between a man and a woman simple and, and when they when they when they can't answer the question you don't have to go any further. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, really, it, it's it, it's like the the woman that was, um, they asked the question at the congressional hearings if she could define it. Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Yeah. 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 I mean, now what, what's her role now? The Supreme Court. Right. That's my point. <laughs> you know? I mean, so it's crazy. Yeah. I think we, we need to encourage people to get involved in the process. You can't blame others for the way we are if you don't do anything about it, right? right. So I, you, you guys got to get involved. Mm-hmm. You got to take responsibility. That's what we were taught when we when I was a kid, anyhow. I think we should just sit on the couch and collect a government check. <laughs> I think that would be a better op- option. But what would you say to people that say, you know, I hear you, I get we need to get involved, but the elections are rigged. Or to people who say, you know, they're cons- concerned about election integrity or, or all these issues, what would you say to them? And um, as someone who's been in the system and, and seen the way things work, what would you say to them? You know, we can continue to make excuses for the way we are and where we're at, but and until people decide that they want to get involved, run for office, become part of the solution, members of your school committee, members of your board of selectmen, members of your board of registrars, part of the, the ongoing process, then, then don't tell me that everything's rigged, all right? Yeah, are there problems within the electoral process? Absolutely. There's no question about it. But if you don't get involved, then you let others control every aspect of the process. Mm. So if there's a problem in your local town, whether it be, you know, the vote, you know, how the votes are counted, how the ballots are given out, well, if you're sitting at home doing nothing about it, it's your fault. Mm. All right. So I think we need to have a res- we need to be responsible, get involved in the process, and you know, yeah, there, there, there's no question, there's flaws in everything, right? But if we don't take an active role in it, we're no better off than the people that are doing stuff that is wrong. Yeah. Because we can't even defend what's going on at that point because we're on the outside looking in. We have to be there, be involved in the process and make sure that it is done correctly. Yeah, if you don't get involved, you're basically guaranteeing the election is going to be rigged because your vote vote won't count if you don't go out and vote. That's right. It definitely won't count. Um, There have been key issues pertaining to election integrity that you fought for over the years. Um, I mean, you fought against ranked choice voting, um, uh, universal mass mail and balloting. And then you were fighting for voter identification. Uh, I just wanted to kind of go through each one of those uh, just to give people an opportunity to uh, be educated. So 
Massachusetts almost passed ranked choice voting back in 2020 for all state elections. Um, it was an initiative on the ballot in 2020 as question two. You opposed that initiative while you were chair of the Mass GOP. Thankfully, you were successful. 54% voted against it. On this podcast, we haven't unpacked what ranked choice voting is. So could you give like a, a quick, you know, explain what ranked choice voting is and then why it it probably would not be the best idea for Massachusetts right now? Yeah, so... As you know, ranked choice voting means you go in and vote and there's, you know, multiple different votes that are then counted and then they subtract one vote out, subtract another person out. And then and then they, they reach this conclusion based on how many votes they have at different levels. It's really quite crazy as far as I can see. There's a congressman, a congressman up in uh, Maine that lost because of the ranked choice mm. voting uh, in I. In, uh, forget the district but it was up north but I, but I do think the, the the bigger issue that we have to deal with 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 our voting is what's happening right now we just put 160,000 new driver's licenses in the hands of people who aren't in this country legally we just did that the way the system is set up those people are automatically registered to vote that's what the system really? calls for. Really? That's what the system calls for. Whether or not the RMV does it or not, that's what the system calls for, is that you're automatically registered to vote. Wow. So you don't have a – so now you've got people that are in the country with an ID, right? So even yeah. if you have the ID, they can still vote. Mm-hmm. So the process that we have right now in place in Massachusetts in the long term, no ID to vote, driver's licenses for illegals, is really creating a big, big problem, as I can see – in our electoral process. So we have to make sure that we've, we change that and we make it so that we know who is voting, who our voter rolls are. And until we do that, this, the even ranked, I mean, the problem is even bigger than the, yeah. the fact that they wanted to get this ranked choice voting in, in place, which they spent a lot of money, which, mm-hmm. by the way, but it was fortunately defeated. Do you think it'll come back up on the ballot? I don't think it's going to come back up anytime soon. Oh, that, that's good. That's yeah. good. I mean, it was such a slim victory yeah. that I'm like, oh, I really hope they don't try to do this again. Yeah. Um, I know in Alaska, it's a, there's another example. I can't remember her name, but in 2022, I think, or maybe 2020, there was a senator, She, uh, great Republican senator. She lost because of ranked choice voting. She got more votes than the Democrats. Yeah, but because of ranked choice voting, after they did the subtraction and the and all the rounds of voting, basically, she lost, and the Democrat won. And it's so sad. And we would have had a majority in the Senate if not for ranked choice voting yeah, no. in one particular state. Right. But the, um, but the real – and I agree with you 100% on that, but I really do think the voter ID and the driver's licenses are real significant problems here mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, like, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I, I voted for the first time – um, in my town elections earlier this year and I walk in and, and you know me thinking common sense I pull out my ID and I go up to the lady I'm like here you go my name's Sam and she goes oh we don't need that right what's your address so I tell her my address and my name and she's like okay here you go it hands me a ballot I'm like this is crazy yeah like I could walk I could walk into the uh, Hunter Hunter lives in Plymouth I live in Sandwich but I could walk into Hunter's precinct and I could say hi my name's Hunter Young tell him his address and I could vote for Hunter like that's the way it's set up right like, that's crazy. Right. And then I mean, to add in all of these illegal aliens with the, uh, now we've got this housing crisis on our hands, Maura Healy's trying to be as generous as possible or some twisted form of charity that is totally um, foreign to common, you know, any form of common sense. Uh, 
but that can you talk a little bit more about the voter ID and how that plays into us essentially losing our elections? Well, I, I you just nailed it. You can go into any ballot, any uh, ballot. I mean, any voting uh, location. Tell them who you are, and they'll give you a ballot. Yeah. I mean that that's that's not the way things should be done. No. But I think the other thing is the the fact that we're extending, you know, the the voting time. Mm. You know, ten days, fourteen days, whatever it is, in this mail-in ballot voting without you know checking the. Uh, the signatures. I mean, there's no signature verification. There's very little signature okay. verification, and that's that's when I talk about if you're not involved and you're not making sure that that's done, then the problem becomes, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. So I mean, we've got to get back. I'm a big believer in going right back to paper ballots and make it real simple yeah. and come in and vote on election day, and that's it. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> but um, there's only one guy that's going to do that, and that's uh, President Trump. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah. would that be a, I assume that'd be federal, right? Yeah, well he's going to try to make it, yeah, make okay. it that. That's one of the things he's he's talking about now. Okay. And I you know, I think I think people are concerned about the election process right now. Yeah. And I don't remember that being such a big issue, you know, when I was growing up. We trusted our voting uh process right now with all this mail-in ballot voting and lack of identification and all the type of problems that we're seeing nationally. We've got to tighten up the electoral process. Yeah, I mean, uh, back in 2020, I, I actually I, I was homeschooled my entire uh, my entire life, so I actually wrote a research paper on why I thought the 2020 election was stolen, <laughs> and I remember doing a ton of research into mail and uh, mail in votes, and there's kind of a lot of I don't know. It was almost it was postured as if you thought during 2020, if you believed that there were issues with the mail-in voting system during the 2020 election, you were postured by the mainstream media as a conspiracy theorist, an election denier, and even still kind of, not as not as much. But can you can you kind of cut through the noise on the both Republican and Democrat side? What exactly is wrong? I mean, you brought up signature verification, but what exactly is the issue with universal mass mail-in balloting? Is it okay in any amount, or should it just be completely taken? Well, we had absentee ballots forever. We never had the kind of problems that we're having right now. So if it wasn't broke, why, you know, it's like the expression, why, why do we want to fix something that wasn't broke? It was working. So all of these uh, additions that they're making, you know, only complicates Election Day. And w- when, when you see us, you know, some states, they're, you know, the other day in Iowa, they did, they did uh, what, 150,000 members of, uh, at a caucus. By 10 o'clock at night, everybody knew what the election results were. Everything was done by paper ballots. Everybody knew what was done. It, it, you remember 2020? It, we didn't know for three days what what happened. <laughs> yeah. So so clearly there's a problem when that happens. So we've got to simplify the problem on the process. By simplifying the process, I think we're going to eliminate 99% of this anxiety that people have about election integrity. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I might be mistaken, but I think it was India who had they have mail, they have not mail-in ballots. They have just paper ballots, and they had like hundreds of millions of votes to votes to count and they counted it all in one night yeah and it's like oh no but we can't do it in america there's too many people and it's like no it can be done it's just we need to hold our uh, officials accountable elected leaders in arizona um during in maricopa county right there in phoenix where all the shenanigans were going on in 2022 and they were saying you know they, they were saying you know expect it to take a while you know it's like you can't you can't, and they said, like, if you had all paper ballots, like, there's no way you could count it all in one night. Like, come on, we're just human. Like, the machines will count it so much faster. And it's like, no, I mean, this is how it's worked for all of human history. <laughs> 
first I'm sure it was papyrus and then it was paper. <laughs> I don't remember the problems back uh, when my cousin was elected 49 years ago. So uh, the problems have only become more and more uh, larger and larger as, as we've expanded these the ways that people can vote. They're making mm-hmm. it more complicated and I think it opens itself it opens itself up to uh, what we're seeing, all kinds of problems. Just really quick, like I appreciate you for coming coming on in your perspective, and it's been a it's been a good one. And I would just say, what would be your quick like elevator pitch? I like to say this a lot on the podcast, but to somebody, a young person in Massachusetts looking to get involved, what would be your action plan for them? So I, I think the the very first thing you want to do is get involved in a campaign. You know, get involved whether it be a school committee race, a state committee race, a board of selectmen race, a state rep race, get involved, find out what, it's, what, what it takes to run, a, run at, a, at a local level because as, uh, as all politics is local. It all starts at the local level. Get involved, find someone that you like, you know, and if it's you that you want to run, you know, get involved at the local level. When you do that, you begin to understand the process. Politics isn't rocket science. It's one-on-one. It's talking to your friends and neighbors. That's how you do it, whether you start at a town meeting level, you know, a board of selectmen level, a school committee level. Start locally, learn the process, and never, ever be afraid of what you believe in. Stand up, be respectful, but do never, ever be afraid of what you think is right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Lyons. I really appreciate this. Uh, We just want to let everybody know. Uh, that you can follow us anywhere, uh, anywhere on social media, the Sons of Liberty podcast. Real quick, do you want to plug anything? Your social media, your your uh, your Twitter. I know you brought up you used to start an organization. Uh, just you know, it will be. I'll share it with you once we kick it off. Which is Bernadette and I have formed an organization called the Massachusetts Freedom Fighters for exactly the reason that you question you just asked to encourage young people to get involved and get involved in the electoral process because the future belongs to those who plan for it and you guys are the future awesome Awesome. thank you thank you guys for watching Uh, my name is hunter young my name is sam mealy and we are the sons of liberty Liberty.